Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of Rocker Mike and Rob Presents. Uh, today we have a, a very special guest, uh, Mr. Jeff Wengorowski. Okay, he is a uh, veteran of the New York underground scene, whether it's filmmaking, art, photography, all kinds of stuff. Jeff's kind of got, got his hand in a little bit of everything. He's been around for a while. And he is a lifelong New Yorker, so it's nice to talk to somebody that has lived here his whole life. Oh, where, where from New York? Where do you? Where were you from New York? Well, um, we, I'm, I'm, uh, my family's lived in um, Lower East Side for over a hundred years, but oh, wow, um, you know, there, you know, I went to college upstate. You know, I, I it's not like I haven't been. Uh, living anywhere else. I, there was a time when uh, I lived in a communal house sort of uh, in uh, Philadelphia on and off on Baltimore Avenue by Clark right. Park. That would have been like 86. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, you know, it's, it's funny because I met you, you know, personally, I guess a few months ago uh, at International Ball. We had a little sit down. And, uh, you know, you're a guy that I definitely – you know, should have come across before because we've kind of done some parallel things and concerts and stuff at the same stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm glad I met you now. I'm glad you're joining us today. We've got a few things to talk about. Um, I know that uh, you have a film festival that you're going to be ho- uh, hosting coming up this weekend, correct? That's true. Saturday night. Saturday night. Secret Treaty is the most dangerous festival in the world. Secret Treaty, Strange Political Bedfellows, right? That's the name of it? Yes, indeed. Okay, now tell us a little bit about it. I think it's about 10 or so movies, maybe a little bit more. It's 10 10 short films, each one about 10 minutes long. Okay. And they all just take politics in in unusual ways, because I think in some ways... Politics is is uh, is horrifying, and uh, these days that's for sure. <laughs> you know, part 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 horror. Part when, when it's not a tragedy, then um, then it's some sort of. Yeah, I I just don't see the humor in it. Actually, I can't say that I find it comedic. I find it yeah. only tragic or horrifying. Um, and occasionally I can block it out, but, um, but anyway, so it won't be about any of the candidates. It won't be about any of this stuff per se, but it'll, it'll be, it'll be a little bit more imaginative. I get, uh, film submissions from all over the world. This is my ninth festival. Uh, each time it's on a different theme. I did one on insects. I did one on the glories of getting wasted. (laughs) <laughs> I, I did one on, uh, let's see, um, uh, Secret, Secrets of the Dead is sort of a horror film festival. Um, I did Secrets of Outer Space and I did Secrets of Inner Space. Um, I, it's, been, it's been fun taking, taking things in different directions in that way. I, I did one on Dreams. Wow. So, um, wow. how long, how long have you been doing these, these, uh, festivals? Nine years. Um, and I, I've done many screenings in New York. Um, I've also done screenings in Baltimore, DC, Lexington, Kentucky, LA, a number of times, uh, at the Berkeley film festival a few times where it won awards. Um, wow. yeah. 
so uh, it's it's been a nice run. I didn't go to school for film. It was just something I wanted to do, and somehow it it it's happened. So you're kind of self-taught in a way. <laughs> I wouldn't say taught. I would just say that I I, I do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got you. So so uh, the films I I would say are, are unusual in that way, and I I don't mind. Uh, at all, I don't really want to follow conventional formats. Uh, even though I make documentary films, I, I think of them as each one is its own project, and I and each film uh, is, is different texturally. You know, there are different things that go on in the films. Right. I, each so, so anyway, and altogether, I've made nine short films. Uh, okay. or, Let me ask you something. Question. Um, um, Oh, go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. A quick question: Some of the film are they all like like uh, live action, or are they like? Um, can you say like, do you do any animation, like any? Animation? I I don't I don't do it. No, no, none of them are animated, but okay. um, the, there are some animation ideas I would like to incorporate in a in a future one. Some have uh, a lot of special effects. Some have none. Okay. Some use um, old cameras. Some use digital. Um, it really depends on. Uh, the sub who, who the person to whom I am you know, of whom I am making art, and uh, <clears throat> you know, so I I try to make the art in a way reveal something about them somehow. Could uh, you kind of could you kind of get into maybe a description of your style? Is there any main influence you might have that kind of shows through, or you're really your own your own character? Well, I, look, I, I, I've seen a lot of films. I, sure. I've been keeping a film uh, journal for the last 10 years. Um, so I take notes on every film that I've seen. And I've seen certainly uh, hundreds, maybe a thousand. I don't know. I haven't counted how many, but quite a few films. Uh, certainly during COVID, there was a time when I was watching two features uh, a, a day. Sure. Um, and then with my short film festival, sometimes, I mean, I, I've been sent as many as 445 films once. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 That, that was, uh, for the, the one about dreams. So you had and, to go uh, through 445 films and pick short, out all the good ones. Yeah. Short, short, films. short films. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and look, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing and it's, it's also terrible in some ways. I mean, it takes, it's to- it takes its toll on my body. Sure. All, all that sitting and watching really isn't very healthy. Um, but I, what I love more than anything else is finding a film that, you know, others that hasn't been shown around, you know, a filmmaker, yeah. I'm like, you know, or something just uh, because also the festivals are thematic, um, a, a different way of saying something else about one of these topics I, I I just love that, right? So um, so it it's and and I take films from from anywhere in the on the planet. I don't care how old people are. I don't care about their race, ethnicity, sexual plumbing, identify <laughs> identification. I, I none of yeah. that really matters. It's all about the film. I don't care if it was made yesterday, or if it was made ten years ago. So your wow. listeners may, if they have older films. I am I, right now. I do have an open call. It's for my Halloween screening, and it's it's for horror films. It's called Secrets of the Dead. You can find it on Film Freeway, and I would encourage people to submit films. Um, 
and uh, I'm looking for five to 20 minute films, horror related. Go, <laughs> just show me what you've got. Uh, you're talking, you're talking full length, not short films, right? No, short films. Five, oh, short films. five, to, no more than twenty minutes. Probably, oh, gotcha. I, I, I think that the, I think that the minimum might be five minutes or two minutes, uh, something like that. But, um, and I don't care if it was a film that you made twenty-five years ago. Um, so, the the great thing about that is, look, particularly when it comes to short film and independent cinema, there there are just so many films that have been made that people have not seen. Sure. You know, uh, so many millions. I bet probably, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, depending upon how you, how you measure these things, but, but could very well be millions. Sure. And, um, and, and, and many of them are, are absolutely fantastic. So I would, I would encourage people who, you know, again, maybe this was your hobby 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever, and uh, maybe maybe it was shown on a festival. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you always wanted to finish the film and you never had a reason to do so. But if you knew that you were going to get a film screening in, in Brooklyn, you might. Then I would say send it in. Now, look, I mean, obviously I get sent anywhere from 100 to 445 films each time. So your odds are not great. But uh, then again, I get sent a lot of films that aren't even on topic. So if you could stick to the topic and the time strictures, that will help. <laughs> you know, the audio has, I, I, you know, I'm not an overly technical person, so, um, but, but uh, people do, uh, the audio has to be clear if, if that is important <laughs> and, um, and, and what have you. The basic t- technicals uh, should be in place. But aside from that, anything goes. And, uh, and really, even within that, I mean, I don't care if something is totally feeding back and then you have a green screen showing if that's what the film <laughs> calls for, you know. I'm all in favor of it, in fact. What sure, is sure. it that gets silent film? One more time. What if it's a silent film? A silent film, Jeff? A yeah. sil- oh, sure, of course. You know, I have not yet. I don't think I've shown a silent <laughs> film, but I would most certainly. Absolutely. I'm surprised nobody sent that to you. That would be well. Well, I've seen films actually. I mean, it all depends. I mean, I've seen films without without dialogue, but with music. But a film that was fully silent, I don't think I've 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 seen that yet. But I would definitely, uh, you know, I wouldn't rule that out. Of course, no. I think that that's anything goes, and particularly if it's going to be a festival about death. I mean, a silent film that that could make things even more. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Absolutely. Sure, definitely. Let I mean, me ask you. Yeah, um, let me ask you, Jeff. Um, is that? Do you have a, a a favorite director? Oh my gosh! I can pick I've, one or two. I I I am uh, I I'm really into film noir. Yeah. Definitely. So I me I would too. say I, I I love the film Night in the City. Me too. Know. Me too. The original with Richard yeah, Widmark. That's yeah. right. Oh my gosh! Yeah. He is so good at being bad yeah. is, I, I, I discovered that movie i have to say i, I, I mm. discovered that movie because of the robert de niro remake oh which i've never okay. seen with jessica lang which is actually watchable but nowhere near as good as the original yeah um but i was always a, a widmark fan 
Um, my two my two favorites would be Kiss of Death, obviously. That's yeah, and and also Pick Up on South Street. Yes, yes, which is a movie I love. Yes, Um, yes. I've seen all of these films. Yeah, there's such there's such a great bunch of scenes in that movie. Just classic New York subway scenes, like when they're pickpocketing on the L train. Oh yeah. Okay, they're on yeah, the L train yeah, coming yeah. in from Brooklyn. South Street has has yep. a lot of great. I think the old Penn Station is in it in the beginning. Uh, I believe in the beginning. Yeah, you do see the opening that. shot. Yeah, uh, and and of course, uh, oh, what's that other movie? Um, it's not a Widmark flick. It's a, a Burt Lancaster. Stanley Kubrick did it. Uh, what's that movie uh, that they show Penn Station? That's almost a film noir type film. It has the word kiss in it. It's. Uh, Rob, do do a little Google. Which one is it? Burt uh, Lancaster? Direct, yeah, directed by uh, Stanley Kubrick with Burt Lancaster in it. And it's got the title Kiss in it, I, I think. I just can't think of the title right now. But there's a great scene in there with the old Penn Station. That's been in a lot of movies, Jeff. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, sadly, it's not in our city anymore. <laughs> yeah. But you know least... where it is, actually? Where a lot of it is? Burt Lancaster. It's it's in it's in the Meadowlands in the swamps. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they dumped a lot of the structure in the swamps of the Meadowlands, and people have gone there, and they've you know managed to salvage some of the. Uh, I mean, they they really did this terribly. Like some of the uh, statu- statuary that would that was on top, I mm-hmm. guess, like gargoyles or eagles or things like that. You know, they 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 were able to salvage them. Um, you know, it was a glass and steel structure, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of it was just the way they tore it down. They they really just wrecked it. They, they almost like wrecking balled it, basically. Okay, which was you know a horrible way to do it because there was beautiful statuary there that should have been preserved, never was, and a lot of it was just dumped in the Meadowlands. And people have gone back but over the killer's kiss. Killer's Kiss, yes. Killer's Kiss. Killer's Kiss. Okay, okay. Here's one of my all-time f- favorites. And and actually, the, the actors in this film were in two films that are very similar, but both. I mean, they, they make the little hairs on my arms stand up. They, <laughs> they, really, the acting is so good. Um, I, I'm speaking of the late and great Farley Granger and Kathy O'Donnell, who are in They Live by Night and South, uh, Side Street. Okay, They Live by Night, I'm familiar with. The other one, I'm not. Well, Side Street is great. Street, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's in New York City, and the two of them, once again, are they're, they're these star-crossed kids who are so in love, but with such bad luck, and they get in over their heads, and it's just wow. it's heartbreaking. This is one scene in They Live by Night where um, they, the police... Uh, you know, uh, basically, Granger is being framed for a crime he did not commit. The police are out for him, and um, and they've they've caught his girlfriend, and they force him to force her to speak to him on the phone. Right, I've and, seen this. Yes, uh, and she just says, you know, like, run, run and it, get, the emotion, away, yeah. the emotion is is just it's palpable. It's like wow, if I could make something like that, I would just die. You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's so great about those film noir f- movies from the 40s and 50s is they, you know, the, they they would get right into it. It's like these are films that you have to watch. Mm. You can't talk mm-hmm. through them. Yeah. You can't sit there and 
chomp up potato chips and popcorn. You got to listen and you have to pay attention because they're an hour and a half and the action starts in minute two. That's right. Okay. And the use of, you know, they call it the waff of shadows and dark, but the, but the use of, of that, the use of shadows and the use of dark and the cinematography is so beautiful in these films. I could sit and watch these movies all night. When, when Turner Classics has them a couple times a year, they'll have marathons and things like that. I'll always get drawn into it, mm. you know, uh, another, and, and, and the language, okay, of these films, the dialogue, uh, the only person today, at least on a major level, that even comes close to dialogue of the film noir stuff, I don't know if you're going to agree with me, but I would say is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, he can be great, but he's but it's just different. I mean, I oh, I, yeah. I, I would just say I, it's hard for me to compare something from that time period. Well, it, I he, I feel like okay. we don't generally we do, we just don't make good dramas anymore. Tarantino does sometimes make excellent dramas, and that's it. I mean, a drama requires investment in characters. Well, if you and, remember when when Tarantino. Uh, you know, rose to fame very quickly with Reservoir Dogs mm. and Pulp mm. Fiction back to back. The thing that that critics loved, and and I agreed with this wholeheartedly, is his dialogue. Okay, uh, not just the style and the way the movies looked; it was the way they sounded. There was a rhythm to it. Okay, and you know, yeah, he 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 drew from certain things. You could say he ripped off certain things. Uh, he's big into like the French New Wave films and stuff like that, but the dialogue to me was 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 hard boiled and and you had to pay attention. There were references in there that you might miss, uh, you know, simple things like, you know, like Pulp Fiction is kind of a throwback to uh, some of the French New Wave films, the way they it's told out of sequence and things like that. Uh, you know, but some of the simple dialogue in Pulp Fiction, like um, when they're talking about, you know, a Big Mac in, in Amsterdam, okay, mm-hmm. or a quarter pounder, how nobody would know what the hell that is, okay, right. because of the metric system, you know, and it's just like when you, I guess it's dated now because it's 27 years later that movie came out, but when you, when it first came out, that was almost like, wow, what are these, it's just amazing lines. Now, yeah, f- film noir has that. Okay, I, I in, in a lot of the films. Well, yeah, not but... in this. It's just a, a different kind of thing. I mean, Tarantino is is kind of messing with the audience in a way that film noir doesn't. Like that whole dialogue. Mm-hmm. He, he 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 he. You know, he's a stoner, and it just yeah. strikes me as something that he came up with while stoned. Probably. And just as a, <laughs> you know what I'm but, saying. You know, how, how and you know it just has a different. It just yeah. has a different sensibility. No, I don't think that that the people that were into, I think they were heavy drinkers, and well, I, was, I think that I that shows I was there. Gonna say stoner. I was going to say heavy drinker. You know, yeah. I, I was going to say there definitely was some alcohol influenced stuff oh, there. Yeah. Huge, a- absolutely. You and know, also, I mean, it's part of what makes the, those films so emotional. Yeah, that it was that the drug of choice at the time was alcohol, which is a very emotional drug, as opposed to marijuana, which is more blissful. It's just laid back yeah yeah not so heavy in that way okay so let's kind of let's tell all the, the audience here where this is going to be uh secret treaty strange political bedfellows uh that's at the film noir cinema in brooklyn which is at 122 mesrol street right yes sir is it mesrol street or mesrol avenue 
I believe it's Mesereau Street. I know that area. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. And that's Saturday, this coming Saturday, June 12th at 9 p.m. It's 10 bucks, And it's all going to the benefit of the theater, right? Basically. Yes. Yes. No, all of it. All, all of it, the, the, the ticket revenue is going to the theater. Yeah, it's really wow. important to that we are. Uh, well, this is a very unusual place. They, uh, are the, the fellow that runs it will... He he is a is a bit of a wild child. He he likes to sh- he shows troublesome images, and uh, just really great stuff. There's nothing like it in the city uh, aside from it, and I don't think very many places like it anywhere in this galaxy. So I, have, I think it's I a have precious passed, place. Uh, I've passed the place, but I've never I've never been in there. Um, there's a place in Williamsburg I've been to that plays you know underground kind of films too mm-hmm. uh i can't remember the name but it's been down by like bedford avenue somewhere S- spectacle or nighthawk might be spectacle i'm thinking of mm-hmm. yeah bedford avenue um something but like that. yeah but yeah no film noir is in Greenpoint, and it's yeah. a 122 meserol avenue meserol avenue okay you got me on that one all right yeah Mesereau yeah yeah. yeah i'm okay, just my, i'm my looking bad. online right now so let's keep 122 meserol avenue in brooklyn Yes, sir. All right. Now, there's something special about that also. You are kind of dedicating that evening to somebody you want to talk about? I am. I'm dedicating it to my friend Leslie Barony. He should rest in peace. Um, Leslie was, uh, he was was originally from Hungary. He, He was a Jew from Hungary. His family survived the war. Right. And... Emigrated to America shortly afterward and settled in Borough Park, um, was raised somewhat religiously, but in high school, uh, decided to enroll in public school and became in advertising um, and worked in advertising for many years, but really was 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 drawn to the arts. And, you know, in, in his soul, he was he was an artist um, and. He was pivotal in launching the career of Annie Sprinkle, oh. the sex educator and performance artist. Yes. Yeah. 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 They lived wow. in the same building. And I think that she showed some of her early writings to him. And he said, you've got to go public and do this thing, read it to people and all that. And, um, <clears throat> and since then, he, he's come on to represent more than, I think, 50 artists, most notably H.R. Giger. Right, who may it, be known to your alien? Yeah, for but you know he he was around in the sixties. Yeah, no, he's 70s. known. He's known for Alien, but but he was around way before that. He had a whole yeah, career. yeah, yeah. He really, he really, he was a sculptor primarily. Although he also sketched and uh, worked in other media as well. Uh, basically, had this sort of science fiction like imagination. Uh, it was just the the biomechanical, right? And um, he had all of these sculptures and other creations that, at the time, were considered to be a sort a sort of fine art. Uh, and then Ridley Scott, when he was uh, given the script to do Alien, he said, "Well, I want to use this guy's art." And basically, they used his art for the entire aesthetic, well, the ships, the whole uh, thing. Wasn't Leslie very instrumental in getting that to Ridley Scott to show him that? I, I think. Well, I, I think I, I read that. 
I, I I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but okay. I don't I don't exactly recall. Um, but uh, he was in. It was a difficult relationship in some ways because um, afterwards, uh, Giger's status as a fine artist was somewhat compromised. You know, in that he his work was used in a popular art piece, popular culture. So suddenly. People didn't know quite what to what to make of him in that way, and it, it made it made things a little bit difficult for him in, in, uh, in ways that you might not imagine. It was it was sort of like success in a different field, a field that he really didn't. F- and so then he really didn't fit well in either field, fine right. art or pop art. So um, <clears throat> yeah, he's but, really like a uh, he's really like a, a, a to an an island to himself, really in his work. Well, uh, it, stuff that yeah, I see, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah, unusual. Totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's a museum of his work in uh, Switzerland. It was, his works were being shown in major museums, and he decided to just take. He bought his works back and <laughs> put them in his own place, and said, "This is really how they should be seen." And he created um, uh, an entire environment for them. Um, there was a time when Glenn Danzig. Um, uh, and yep. his band used um, Giger's uh, images in, uh, in one of the music videos. I, yes. I don't remember which one. Yeah, I think it was off the second or third album or something. Lucifuge or the something. second album, Lucifuge, yeah. Do you recall what other famous band used used his imagery? No, who? The Dead Kennedys, the Frankenstein oh, album. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and, and also Emerson They got in Lake- a lot of trouble for that. Emerson, yeah. Lake, and Palmer. With their brain salad surgery. Oh yes, that's Quite right. Famous. That is a, that is a. That was like nineteen seventy or seventy one. Yeah, that might have been one of the first. Really, that yeah. was one of the first times it was used. But this yeah. was somebody who was already around. He was just he was just in a different field. Yeah, you know? we, we, we got into the uh, last year. We got into the uh, the dead Kennedys controversy with that poster because that that's what brought on the whole obscenity charge against the dead Kennedys putting this poster in the uh in the Frankenchrist record and what it was was a poster of a bunch of you know penises okay and you know all lined up in a row you had to really kind of step back and look at it really before you realize what it was and then one of them had a one of them had a condom on okay <laughs> okay and I, I i read somewhere actually that that was the obscenity the condom mm. Uh-huh. Okay, it wasn't even the penises; it was the fact that one had a condom on it. Everybody, they found it offensive, and they they went to court over that. And, it wasn't uh, just penises; it was penises and buttholes. Yes, that's right. They were like in, in, inside, yeah, <laughs> and like, they were like kind of trays. and they were they were kind of dirty penises too. That I didn't look that close, was... Jeff, but it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't looking for any schmegma in there, or anything, you know. <laughs> I see, I see everything. That's what I have to say. That's funny. That's funny. Some, some images I'll never be able to lose. But so yeah. what happened was that uh, I think it was for one of their videos, Danzig was using this thing, and um, a, a Giger wanted to send a cease and desist to Danzig, but couldn't get through the record label. So when Danzig was playing a show in New York, I believe at Irving Plaza. He, he got someone who was going to crowd surf and the guy crowd surfed over to him and served him right in front of the right, crowd. Right in front of the audience. Epic. I remember that. Yep. Yep. Talk about balls. 
Yeah. Great. So, so, you know, Les was, uh, he, he was terrific. Yeah. He absolutely did have a mighty pair of cojones. Now he also did some acting. Uh, he was in a, a film called the centrifuge brain project. Great movie. Great movie. Okay. I have by, not seen this. By, film, by, by Till Novak. Great film. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's in a lot of films. Um, He's in music videos also by heavy metal bands. Uh, he was he was a great uh, he had a great face and he had a great sense of humor and attitude about life and he liked making art. He was enthusiastic. Um, he was a, he was a terrific terrific fella. You know there were a, a, lot, a lot of people in New in New York who were absolutely um, inspired. By less, um, he was a tough man, but the toughness always came from a good place, and because he had a, a basso profundo, a, a deep, booming voice, as well yes, as you know, did, yeah. and, and and very big facial features. Uh, if if he didn't like something, you felt it. <laughs> um, but uh, he he was never mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you always, knew you knew him personally. Jeff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was a good friend of mine. I oh, saw him wow. just a few days before he actually, what maybe a day before he passed. I saw him in the hospital. Oh, was that me. was last month he passed away, right? Just yeah, yeah. Last month, just you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, wow. and that came after the death of another friend of mine. So yeah, I was going to segue into that. Um, uh, people on the New York scene uh, might remember. The person we're talking about, uh, Jack Terracorth. Okay, he was the lead singer to the cabaret slash punk band, the World Inferno Friendship Society. Uh, and before that, he was actually the guitarist and singer for the punk band Sticks and Stones. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Jack, Jeff? Well, okay, I, I met him about thirty years to the day. Uh, before he died wow! in May of 1991. And I remember it. I remember it very clearly. I was working at Reconstruction Records, which was a all-volunteer-run punk yeah. rock record uh, store. Where, where was that? I remember that It was on place. 7th Street, yes. right around the corner from Cooper Union. From Cooper Union. Very good store. It, and before that, there was a place over there called Some Records, Mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. run by a fellow named Dwayne who okay. disappeared but, uh, that I'd like to get in touch with. If anybody out there uh, is able to get in touch with Dwayne, please um, if you could facilitate some At some records. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But anyway, so um, at the time Jack was, was known by his given name, which was Peter. Peter Vendantonio. Right. And he was... Uh, about 19, 20 years old, absolutely beautiful, completely charming. He comes into the store with this woman. They had just been up at the Bronx Zoo, and they were giggling and laughing about something. And I just thought that they were just absolutely adorable. I, I, I It was like a French New Wave moment, you know, where yeah. I just thought, like, these these young people are, are full of such magic. I want to be in the movie with them, you right. know? And so we just we – just, uh, he and I became – fast and deep friends and i helped him secure his first apartment in new york um which was in the building that i i lived he was in. originally from new jersey I believe, he was right? from bridgewater new jersey mm-hmm. 
So he moved to 11th Street between B and C and wow. um, with his bass player at the time from Six and Stones, a fellow named Sam, who's now in Japan. Right. And um, very nice guy. And, you know, we, we were hanging out together all the time over the, I was there and he was at my place and I part, I had, I, I used to like to throw parties. So I threw a few parties. I had a 425 square foot apartment. And yet the question was, how many people can you fit in there? And I never <laughs> counted, <laughs> but it would be a lot. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and we maintained a friendship um, all the way through to the end at his last performance, which was um, Hollow Mass of 2020. Hollow Mass is the day after Halloween. Right. It's sort of a witch's, a deep witchy holiday. I yeah, think. it's supposed to be there's a lot of mm-hmm. evil going on, right? Like yeah, evil has, has a lot of power that, that day or something. Yeah, well, you know, his band was called The World Inferno because he did have, he had a fascination with, with, uh, but you know, not a fascination with Satanism, and not really a fascination with evil, but a fascination with a certain aesthetic of 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 being bad and dangerous and mysterious. Right. But he was by no means a Satanist or anything like that. He was bad. a bit of a goth guy, but nothing he like was that. well. Yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, he was into sort of like death rock, you know, misfits and all that. When I met him, and. Um, and with Sticks and Stones, they actually had a, they did a lot of music. The th- thing about him was that he, yeah. he was a bit of a musical omnivore and he was, he was, uh, he was voracious, you know, so he right. would eat, he, he liked, he liked art in general. He was always reading, uh, he, he loved to read fiction. Right. He, and, uh, I mean, really, he was someone that you could always ask the question, what are you reading now? And get an answer. And yeah. by, by now, it means, so one of the things that, that honed his mind, he's well known for his cleverness, is that he was constantly reading. And he was, he was constantly stuffing things in his head, films, mu- different types of music, different genres of music, even though, of course, he's best known as sort of a punk cabaret performer. And you said uh, there's a bit of a goth element, too. He had, he had Latin music. He had music that sounded like Broadway, it, pop, uh, Northern Soul, Klezmer. Uh, right. it, for him, it really it d- didn't matter. He loved making music. He lo- And he... Huh. All right. So it wasn't like he was someone who made art. It was more like he was living his life. He, he was living his life like art and like, were, it, like it was art. Yeah. And, and the role that he was playing in this world that he was creating was that he was go, he was somebody who was playing music, but but it was within this context of this world that he was creating that would be a world that he would choose to live in with people that he would choose to be around and then love performing for right. and with. He, he didn't really care so much about popular success, but he, di- he did want people. He wanted people that he wanted to like him right. on his terms. Right. And he had many, many terms. 
for one, he really, really liked to party. And uh, so if you didn't really want to party, he wasn't going to find you very interesting. And by that, I do mean he drank, he did drugs, <laughs> and he approved of these things. And this was part of his Dionysian spirit, you know? Well, that is a Dionysian. So, uh, yeah. I, I, to kind I would, of live the art that you're making. Yeah. And yeah. make your, burn your life up. You know, create your life into a make your life into a self consuming artifact. Well, what, you know, one one person that you know I I have great admiration for that that I believe fits that category, who's even admitted that he is Dionysian influenced, is Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know, Iggy's Iggy's you know, you know, be the godfather of punk. You know, basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and you know his performances on stage or like a, like an exorcism. I, I don't, I don't know what else you could call it. I mean, I've seen him many times and, mm. and, and he's just as crazy and, 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 you know, out of, out of hand now, you know, in the last couple of years then and I, I did see him a couple of years ago, uh, then he, as, as he was in the early seventies and, you know, there's just something about that, like you said, that Dionysian live it all. Uh, you know, he probably should have died ten times already. Well, yeah, but you know, know, he 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 did turn back from that. He, I think, the only thing that yeah. he now is smoke weed. Perhaps. I guess, I guess. But, but uh, you know, whereas cloth cloth saw the signposts and ignored them. Yeah, and uh, I I wouldn't say that it was the right thing for him to do, but he. If I remember uh, at Dojo on St. Mark's Place, mm-hmm. this must have been 92, 93, going out with Fred Alva, Rich, Derespina, and Peter. We were, we, we were, and maybe someone else. Uh, they'll forgive me if I forget if there was one other person with us, but we, we had been working at the store at Reconstruction and then we were eating. At Dojo, which was a great place, the food it was. was Dojo yeah. was a great place. That Sunshine Burger with the potato—they had some great potatoes. It was also cheap too. Yeah, and and it could you you could you could eat a meal there for like two three dollars. You know, well, I mean, even in the nineties, you could still find some cheap places in that you know section of the neighborhood. Not no more, but and then you could. Dojo's was one of them, definitely. And definitely reasonable. And um, and afterward, I, w- I was I was turning. I think it was maybe twenty nine, or I don't know. No, no, no. I think I was something like twenty seven or twenty six at the time, something like that. And they were trying to convince me that when I turned thirty, I should kill myself. Like I should kill myself before I turn thirty. Oh, I've geez. got to do it. I only have two or three years left. And <laughs> oh god, it was funny. It was funny <laughs> at the time. It was fun. I mean, they and they just went into it. You know, these these are these are uh, funny guys, and it it was it was a great ribbing, but it was also clear to me because I was I was of course resisting their uh, their urging, but it was clear to me on some level that Peter kind of believed that he wanted to achieve a certain type of fame. He didn't care much about fortune. Right. And he wanted to be respected as a musician and make his mark. And he did all of these things and he inspired so many people. The world Inferno has a fan base that they, uh, 
Jack will forgive me, but I will liken them to the Grateful Dead. And I will say that they have a sort of a cultish, right? Also like a tailgate thing going on where they're going to party and it's great that the band is there, but they're having this thing. I don't know if that will continue without him. I would say probably not. I would say for a little while, definitely. But and 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 people in that scene will still kind of know each other. But the ritual of getting together at least once a year for hollow mass, that's going to that's going to be gone. Sad to Is say. there going to be some kind of memorial for him this year? Okay. Well, there's going to be a memorial for cloth, just a little thing happening this Sunday. Okay. At a place called Rubu Lad uh, in Manhattan. Where is that located? Not Manhattan, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, but I cannot give out the location. Okay. I don't know the location. Uh, And um, let's see. And um, so there'll be people there performing that he knew over the years. One of them, a fellow named Ted Leo, uh, used to used to perform at ABC No Rio. You see, when I yes. met when I met uh, Peter, we worked at uh, I, w- I was a grad student at the New School. Then we worked at uh, Reconstruction, and then all of us saw bands at ABC. Uh, Me that too. Was, that was just the place. This would oh, have yeah. been like late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, I, I went to a bunch of shows there over the years. Yeah, it was good. It was a very uh, nice uh, spirit, actually. And uh, just before that, I had spent some time at Gilman Street in uh, in Berkeley. And um, so I was looking for something like that, and I wasn't finding it at CB's. <laughs> um, well, by that time, CB's was a tourist attraction. Yeah, so, it wasn't a tourist. So it was, it was kind of, you know... It was. It was just. There were elements of the hardcore scene that were kind of entrenched there that I would yeah. say were not, not altogether friendly. And uh, you know, it was a long time ago, and, yeah. and they weren't they, unfriendly to me. You know, I'm not trying to say anything about them. I'm just saying that it just wasn't a scene that I felt comfortable in. So the thing I, I know it. I know what the, you mean because I I used it was to kind of a tough guy scene, you know. Yeah, I I I kind of grew up, you know, fourteen years old, going going to the hardcore matinees on Sundays, mm-hmm. and uh, you know did that probably through the mid eighties, mm-hmm. and uh, by the late eighties, early nineties, the crowd had changed. There was kind of like this tough guy, macho, almost a mix of thrash and hardcore mentality going on that was different than five years earlier yeah and it was a yeah i I know i kind of remember exactly what you're talking about well you know i i I think that when when art is first made it's at its freshest point and almost all these scenes have have the most interesting things going on in the very beginning before people really have a sense of what the scene is about and once right. they have a sense of what the scene is about, then they just try to do that thing. But initially, just a bunch of people doing their individual things. And um, and that's why also, you know, oftentimes the first record by a band will be the best record. Uh, it'll have uh, all a lot. A lot of ideas. times that's the case, especially when it comes to uh, you know, punk rock scene and all that. But that's not entirely true. But, but no, not a entirely lot of, true. Yeah, but a, a lot of times that's the case, yeah. <laughs> Depends. Now, 
you have a DJ mm. gig coming up soon, I believe, at Otto's that you're going to be starting, I, I, right? I, well, I don't know if it's going to be a regular thing, but it may be. It's going to be on June 18th from 9 to 1, and it'll That's be Friday, right? The Friday night. Mm-hmm. And as they say, free to get in, free to get out. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I'm going to try or, to make it down that night. How about this? Free to get in, half price to get out. All right. Now, you, now <laughs> you're, you're an old school DJ. You bring vinyl. Yeah, I do bring vinyl. I do. I, 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 at the World Inferno show, I'm going to possibly do some um, emceeing, which I did many years ago when I, I, I ran a cabaret for a year in Brooklyn uh, that the World Inferno played played in, uh, along with the Dresden Dolls and members of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and I lots that. of other yeah. movie people. Um, so in some ways, I'll be reprising that role on Sunday night. It's all sold out already. Um, they only have 100 tickets at this place. It sold out pretty much immediately. Uh, they're, they're worried about the fans overrunning it, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, well, and the kind yeah, you got to thing... be, be careful now because of COVID. <laughs> all right. You know, that, that they, they, you know, I was in, in Tompkins Square Park last mm-hmm. month for that show, uh, the hardcore show with uh, Murphy's Law and Blood Clot and Mad Ball and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the next day, they were they were jumping all over it, saying that there were too many people there, and now they're going to cancel the permits for the rest of the shows for the summer. I think it's kind of up in the air. But one of the one of the shows, um, uh, I believe, uh, the Nihilistics was supposed to play like two weeks ago, got canceled. Okay, uh, and, it got, and and not only that, they canceled it like last mm-hmm. fucking minute. Like like Ron mm-hmm. Ron, Ron Rancid was on Facebook the night before, saying, "Oh yeah, come down and see the Nihilistics on tomorrow." And I had to work. I wasn't going to be able to make that show. I had actually switched my schedule around to make the Murphy's Law show, but I couldn't make that one. And uh, but, you know, I knew people were going and a friend of mine calls me up at like, you know, in the afternoon from the park. He's like, where the hell is everybody? And a bunch of people were texting me. And, I, and, and then I looked online. And it was it was canceled like last minute. You know, there were people actually waiting and they actually canceled it. Mm. Yeah, and that was just because uh, John Joseph from the Krill Mags, who's in that band Blood Clot, uh, Jimmy Gestapo from Murphy's Law, Mm -hmm. they, you know, expressed their opinions on on what's going on with, uh, you know, the whole pandemic. And, uh, you know, they had a table set up at this show, which I thought was great. They had some doctors there with alternative medication information instead of getting a vaccine and how to treat the virus and stuff like that. Uh, and they talked about it during the show. They said, you know, go to check out the table. That's why they lost their permit. Wow. Right? Because they actually spoke out. That's, okay? that's, that's sad. Sad yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah, but whatever, it was whatever, whatever, whatever one's views may be about these topics, it's important for people to be able to express themselves. That's uh, fundamental. Well, isn't that what it's all about? All right, now you may not agree with me, I may not agree with you, but we have a right to have our opinions and speak our minds and and respect each other's positions. Uh, it doesn't have to be this be all end all, my way or the highway kind of thing. And that's mm-hmm. the world we live in now, okay? And it's really fucking pathetic as far as I'm concerned because I think it's done more to mess up 
other things as well. Okay, mm-hmm. not just not just simple, you know, political disagreements or or you know the way we're going to live our lives kind of things. It's now like on a national level, like everyone's taking sides. Yeah, you know, and uh, just because you got a table set up with some information for people that um, basically are offering information, that's what it yeah. was. They I mean, I'll say, I'll say this: I, I, I am vaccinated. Um, I've I don't never have a had any personal problems with vaccines, yeah. but as far as I understand it, if I'm vaccinated and you're not, I can't give it to you, and I can't get it from you. So we're actually both good because if, I can't yeah. give it to you and get or get it from you. There it is. So, there it there is. There it is. And so, and, and and being that sixty percent of the people in New York have the vaccine, that means that. It's going to be and 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 on top of that, you have all the people that have already been exposed to COVID, right? right. And uh, got the are, antibodies, right? Yeah. And so, who who's left? I mean, children shouldn't be, don't need to be vaccinated. And then you have, you know, whoever John Joseph, but they all, a, they all, like a health enthusiast, that. you know. Yeah. So I can understand that. That makes no, sense. But but that you know you you said children don't need it, but that is yeah. the latest thing. They they want twelve year olds, fourteen year olds to get this thing, and there's no there's no science behind that because these kids at that age, twelve and younger, fourteen and younger are not getting the disease in any serious way. Okay? Yeah, so sometimes it just seems like all this is about seeing who is compliant and who's not compliant. Well, I think that's a big part of it, and we've, we've discussed it on many Conspiracy 420 shows. Yeah. So I don't need to get into it here, but, but you know, definitely that's the case. So let's, let's get back to the art, shall yes, we? Yes, let's get back to but, it. But, so, but I'll just say this. So I, I started seeing uh, hardcore and punk shows in New York in 1982. Okay. The first show I saw was the Cramps at the Peppermint Lounge. It's now, a show. Were you at the famous Smell of Female? Concert? I was at one of those. I was yeah, at one was of a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, wow. yeah. It was absolutely thrilling. And um, and I have uh, the the friend that went with me to that show. He he recently sent me two photos from that show. And so at some point, I'm going to write up a story about my experience of that show because in a lot of ways, it changed the trajectory of my life i was looking for that to happen and i was very happy happy that it did wow um yeah absolutely now uh, now, i just have to interrupt you for a second because uh the cramps are one of my all-time favorite bands probably right after the ramones okay that is the cramps i don't think a day goes by i don't listen to the cramps okay and uh i first saw them early 86 Okay, at the Ritz. Okay, mm-hmm. um, it was when they were doing the A Date with Elvis tour. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was a life changing moment because I didn't miss a cramp show until the end. Wow. Okay, if they played, you know, two nights at Irving Plaza, I went two nights. If they, you know, and I did mm-hmm. that from '86 wow. to 2006. So it was wow. 20, 20 years. Uh, the last show being at the Limelight that they ever played. Yeah, and, uh, that's right. I was, at, I was at that gig. And sadly, Lux died about three years later. And that was the end of it. Um, that's a band that, you know, between them and the Ramones. I mean, I mean, the Cramps are a band that I really miss. 
I miss mm. the the live shows. I miss the albums. Uh, yeah. I miss the imagery. I miss the the, the 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 whole thing with the cramps was a lifestyle. Or yeah, well, you see, and and, and look, Terry Cloth was very much influenced by the cramps, and yeah. in the same way that the cramps, if you somehow if they appeal to you, you kind of understood that in a way by listening to their music yes. you were entering into their world in some yes. kind of weird magical weird way. way yes that's so when true. you turn on that song you're in their world yeah and, it, and it's a it can be a fun one if if, if that's your well thing. it was it was rock it was rock and roll at its primitive it was it was kitsch it was it was you know erotica and, and exotica Okay, kind of stuff. Okay, I mean, you look Poison Ivy, who I think is 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 stunning. one of one of stunning, but also a fantastic guitar player that really yeah. gets no credit. Okay, uh, and a you know uh, a champion for for women. Okay, mm. and she gets no credit for that either. Uh, but she would you know wear these like amazing outfits, practically see through, wear a tiara, uh, you know. Really, the only thing covering her up was the big Gretsch guitar that she was swinging. Well, you, okay. you could say, in a way, uh, Lux dressed just as fabulously but without the guitar. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, I mean, he's the only guy I know that can pull off, you know, a size 12 red high heel pump. You know what sure, I mean? And, and, and he could, made he that could, look. He could be wearing the cool. tiara the next night, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he wasn't gay. He just he was just he was polymorphously perverse. And yeah. but it you know, wasn't was just a, that. There was, was of course. There was yeah yeah of course. Look, he was. They were remarkably clever. Uh, but but it wasn't just that. Somehow, I find that the whole was, is larger than the parts with that band and. Right. Um, and there's something like opening up a can of mischief or something in the room. And there's, there's a spirit that comes out of that. And Terry Cloth wanted that. Yeah. Uh, and and in, in his live performances, um, and I, I, saw, I saw the very first World Inferno live performance, which, in which they were just a two-piece. Um, piano and uh, uh jack sang and he had tiny symbols that he would huh. uh, kind of put together to invoke you know at, at the beginning of a song something that i never see saw him do again but i wish i wish he had although he did so many great stunts i mean that was another thing they were the only band that i know that would play a Halloween show, they would, they would play tricks on their audience. <laughs> the audience didn't know what was coming. And, you know, they could be throwing firecrackers into the audience. Right. But, but like one year <clears throat> when they played at the Good Bad Art, Collect Art Collective, he, uh, just before they go on, he gives me a bottle of 141. He says, you can hit it, but don't hit it too hard. I'm going to need this later. So then he gets up, they do their set. And after the set, they're doing some kind of like tribal march thing. And he, he makes eye contact with me, emotions. So I follow him. Everyone goes outside behind this place. And there's a scaffolding. And he climbs the scaffolding. And at the top of it, ha hanging from a noose, is, is Jack in effigy. Oh, my God. And he reaches down for the bottle. I give it to him. He takes a huge swig, then pours the rest on him on his body, 
uh, in you know this giant puppet of Jack, Sets and then lights fire. it on fire in front of everyone, and that's it's like wow. How one forty one goes Lord. up like that too. And there's a photograph. Yeah. They have a live album, Live at North Six, and if you have it on CD and you open it up, there's a live photograph from that show, and you can see him on the scaffolding. You can see the the bottle. You can see the effigy, and you can see me staring up at him. <laughs> And everyone else, up. everyone else is like, what is going to happen? There was wow. this one year where, uh, uh, where they had a, uh, where, um, all right. So they would generally have their shows at Warsaw, which was the Polish national home. Yes. Very familiar and um, one year people show up and there's a hearse in front of it and it's set up for a funeral. <laughs> So they come in, and there's the, the the funeral director played by the most creepy person in the universe, yours truly. And I hand them <laughs> these funeral cards, and then there's somebody in the cask in the casket, oh shit, playing dead, so to speak. And it's played by a woman, uh, a squatter woman, uh, known uh, in the comics and alternative in indie um, zine world as Fly. And she's in there, laying in there. And then the band plays their set. And at the end, they crowd-surfed the uh, the coffin. Um, <laughs> and they had a full uh, gospel choir to sing the last song. There was one night where, where, Jack, where uh, you would see Jack projected from... Uh, from another you know, like live stream from somewhere else. And it just right. is faked across the the uh the ceiling i mean you know they were they were a great band and much greater than just their music which was absolutely great at times you know um the people will have their different their different favorites my favorites because i knew them before the band and everything my favorites are the you know the early stuff it, it's almost always that way with me with whomever it is you know uh and um their first couple of singles are collected on a CD called Super East Coast Super Sound of the Future, something like that. It's fantastic. Right. And then they had an opera about the life of Peter Lorre. Well, that's interesting. They, they, they sold out um, Webster Hall three nights in a row. The New York wow. Times wrote about it. Yeah, it, it's wow. a... It's a an album called "Addicted to Bad Ideas." It's absolutely that sounds very interesting. I'd like to check that out. Stunning piece of work. Uh, it has an overture. I mean, it really and um, and you know, then another five albums on top of that. So okay, so uh, that's the world a, inferno, a world inferno friendship society. That's, that's right. That that's right. That's, that's, that's right. That's what we want, there, we want people to listen to. There, there will, I believe, be other memorial events uh, for him um, because he, he was truly a larger-than-life figure. Sound, sound, sounds like it, and I, I kind of wish that I, I was a little more familiar with him. I'm definitely going to be, be more familiar. I um, shot my first film about him, and that film okay. I'll be showing on or around Hollow Mass this year. Okay. At, at Film Noir, as part of Secrets of the Dead, so one out of one out of the ten films is a film by me. The other nine films are all up for grabs. Um, one year we had a film submitted by the bassist of uh, Jesus and Mary Chain. 
Great oh, band. Wow. Great band. Yeah. And it was a great film, and I accepted it. <laughs> and um, uh, Doug, Doug Hart. You talking Doug about Hart. That? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was a film inspired by uh, a Kubrick film. Um, the, the rest escapes me right now. But uh, and it had something to do with child abuse or some. some or, clock, was it know. a Clockwork Orange? No, I don't believe it was a Clockwork Orange. But um, but uh, and oh, London May, who was played with Glenn Danzig and Sam Hain. Yeah, he uh, submitted a film called Brutal Re- Realty. Brutal and that's Realty. That's part of what's Saturday. No, that was a film that I showed in Secrets of the Dead two years ago. This gotcha. is now the third year. I, I think that what I will probably do for a while is just do Secrets of the Dead once a year. Now, I may I may do other additional screenings like, like this one about secret treaties, but I may not. I don't know. It depends upon the the inspiration. I can't speak for my muse. I, uh, I'm lucky if I get to speak to my muse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, or Jeff, my, let's uh, let's speak to me. I suppose, really, that's the avenue. <laughs> that's funny. So let's wrap things up here, Jeff. Yeah. Um, just to to reiterate, you're going to be at the Film Noir Cinema this Saturday, June twelfth at nine p.m. That's one twenty-two Mesero Avenue in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, showing ten films. One is your own, but uh, the other nine, like you said, are up for grabs. Secret Treaties and Strange Political Bedfellows. Now, now let me say this. The film that I'll be showing is a film about Judith Molina, who was the director of the Living Theater in New York. Yes, uh, and she, and the soundtrack was by Jim Scluvunos of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And the Cramps. And the Cramps and Sonic yes. Youth and Tav Falco. I mean, uh, and a hundred million bands. He really. was in Tav Falco and the Panther Burns, right? Yeah, yeah. he was. He yeah, was. I, I forgot about fact. that. Wow. Yeah, he, and and Mimi and the Dreamboats, and he was Mimi because uh, <laughs> Jim is Dimitri in in Greek, and um, and yeah, and, and Judith Molina. In addition to directing, she was also a great actor. She was in Dog Day Afternoon and Adam's Family. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and she, she played roles in many of the productions that she also directed. Been around um, a long time. Yeah. Oh, it's 1946. Yeah. So um, that'll be in there. And none of my films are ever available on the internet. So um, although I don't make money from them, I do like the idea of people coming to see them in person. Uh, I think that cinema is something that isn't the technical film, but it's, it's the activity that happens when people are stimulated by film when they are in proximity to one another. That's an interesting point, like in a movie theater, like next like in a movie theater, ideally. Yeah, Yeah. and I I feel like there's an exchange of of energy or emotion or something like this between people, even if they're not speaking. It's curious to me, and I'd like to study it. The scientist in me finds it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's very interesting because there are films, uh, you know, that you see in a movie, and the way the people react is one way but then when you might watch it a year later alone on dvd in your living room you don't get that that's right absolutely that's exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah Yeah. what what happens in that room just like uh 
and what, what happens in that room has its own chemistry i'll just say yeah and it's yeah. all whatever site site specific yeah. um, and to uh to just reiterate again you got a dj gig coming up at Otto's on june 18th friday yeah. june 18th nine to one i think you said nine to one all right so Peak come hours. down to Otto's on 14th street Otto's yep. fucking head yep, man, and that's uh, free. yeah and it's free free to get in free to get out Listen to some good music that I know you're going to be playing because uh, you got great taste, just like me. <laughs> so, all right, Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on, man. You've been a fantastic guest. Very interesting conversation we've had. Here. Yes, it was. Very yeah. And, uh, you know, I wish you a lot of luck with Saturday night at that uh, secret treaty, strange political bedfellows. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a Before good you go, I'd like uh-huh. you to just uh, give out any info on how to reach you, email or, well, or yeah, well, handles, handles well, on social media, anything like that. People can add me on Facebook by my name. That's right. simple. Or they, they should also look for um, Secrets Film Festivals on Facebook. Ooh, okay. okay. And um, also Syndicate of Human Image Traffickers. That's the name of my filmmaking company. Right. I, I traffic in images of humans. And, um, and also check out my website, which is www.humansyndicate.com. Okay, that's great. So, Jeff, thank you very much. All right, Mike. Like always, don't get drunk. Don't get lumped up, people. See you next week. I'll get Take care. You-